Let's all enjoy our Christmas Eve services and uh, love our worship team and how hard they work. And uh, I also love that our team just said, let's add another Christmas Eve service. Uh, this is the most we've ever done before, five on a weekend here at Apple Valley, and we're continuing to grow. And it's so good to see familiar faces, new faces, and uh, glad you're with us. Uh, I don't know if you've been a part of this series or if you're just visiting family, but this series has been a, a joy to do and to be able to preach to be able to preach about the prophecies surrounding the life of Jesus Christ. Because uh, we base our life on the Bible, and the Bible has within it prophecies that were predicted thousands of years and hundreds of years before they ever took place. It, it sets the Bible apart from any other book in the history of the world. And everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, and those prophecies were there, and they were saying a Savior would be born, someone was coming. They'd hone in on how he'd be born and where he'd be born and, and part of his life and places he'd go. And in this whole series, we've been looking at that, even the fact in the way that he'd die, that he'd come back from the dead. We looked at the fact that it was prophesied that Jesus would come from the tribe of Judah, one of 12. It was prophesied that he'd come from the line of David, that he'd be part of that family, and it came true. We looked at the fact that in his birth, there'd be sadness, and the prophets didn't fully understand it, but they said there'd be weeping around the time of his birth, and yet Herod went and, and totally uh, destroyed these children and brought great pain and suffering, not knowing that that even fulfilled prophecy. We looked at the fact that it said, out of Egypt, I've called my son, and the fact that Jesus spent time in Egypt, and we also looked at the fact that the Bible prophesied that a virgin would give birth to a child. So we've looked at all this, and it brings us all to this moment. This moment, one last prophecy that we get to look at, and it's found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It's one of the most famous of all the prophecies because it tells us where the Messiah, where Jesus would be born. Micah, hundreds of years before, said this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So here's Micah, and he's prophesying. He's saying of all the places, think of this, of all the places that the promised one could be born, he narrows it down to one city, a small city. We're going to find out a very small city. And he says, that's where the king is coming from. If you're going to put a prophecy out there, you better be accurate when you prophesy that specific. And we know from the Bible account in Luke chapter 2 that this came true. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. We also know from Matthew chapter 2, let me read this because we're going to put all the pieces together. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out for them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now you got to understand, Jerusalem is the center of uh, Israel. It's the center where everyone's eyes are on that city. It's the capital city, if you will. It's the place where you would think a king, a messiah, a savior, a ruler would be born. And that's why the wise men follow a star. And they're following the star and they realize it's over Jerusalem, or it appears to be. And they were pretty close. They were only five miles off. Bethlehem was about five miles off. And how many know they need some credit? It was, this was pre-GPS, right? You know? So they were five miles off, and you'd think that it's got to be there. It's got to be Jerusalem. It's got to be the capital city. And so they go there, and they look for uh, the Messiah, for the one that's been born. Now, we see that it was really in Bethlehem, this tiny little town. And we see from early writings that Bethlehem didn't have much happening. It was kind of a forgotten place. Maybe you would call it flyover city. You might call it just a, a good Midwest town, um, you would call it a place that was tiny, but had some famous people come from it. If you know your Bible, the book of Ruth, the whole story about Ruth, happened right there in Bethlehem. King David, born in Bethlehem, and also most of his shepherding done right in Bethlehem. And early on in Genesis, we see Benjamin, Jacob's youngest son, was born in Bethlehem. So it's got some famous people, and uh, I just feel a special connection to Bethlehem, being a Minnesotan. How many know we kind of feel like we're kind of like the forgotten ones, you know what I mean? You know, we're the underdogs. How many know we claim every famous person that came from our state? <laughs> if they breathed here when they were born, they are claimed as ours. And I had a little list here. Judy Garland, we claim her. She was born here. Prince, Bob Dylan, Cheryl Teagues, Jessica Biel, Vince Vaughn, John Madden. How many know we claim them? They're one of us. <laughs> and Bethlehem was that type of city, claiming their people. They're saying, hey, we may be small, we may be overlooked, but guess what? There's something going on here. There's something going on here. And this city uh, gave birth to Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one that was promised. And it's interesting. God brings greatness out of smallness. God brings greatness out of nothingness. You might be here and you might be saying, I'm not that special. I'm not that special. I really don't have much to offer. I'm here worshiping God and I'm hearing all you're saying and there's not much special about me. God specializes in taking people like that and giving them uh, the forgiveness, eternal life, and making their life matter, making their life count. And if you're here, welcome. Now, another thing that I see from this, from God predicting through prophecy that it'd be Bethlehem would be the city and just think about it. Mary and Joseph are not living in Bethlehem. They've got to get to Bethlehem. If the prophecy is going to be fulfilled from hundreds of years earlier, they have to have their baby in Bethlehem. So what happens? God uses the Roman government to call a census so that everyone has to go to their hometown. Now, Joseph obviously owned land there because if you owned land in a city, you had to go to where you owned land. So I'm sure that throughout inheritance, somebody had passed on land to him. 
And so when the Roman government issues their decree for everyone to go to their place where they own land, it's amazing. God's using the Roman government to get his son to the place he needs to be born. Now, there's a lot of things that could have happened. Joseph could have said, hey, Mary, you're really pregnant, and um, you might have the baby any day, so why don't you stay home? I'll go there and pay the taxes. I mean, they could have had a lot of different things. She could have said, it's too long of a trip because it's about 90 miles. But for whatever reason, maybe they thought they're moving on. Maybe she didn't want to stay alone. Maybe she was an outcast because she was pregnant before they were married. But she goes with, and God gets uh, Mary to the exact spot that she needs to have Jesus. And what I see from that is God has a bigger plan than you and I could ever imagine. God could use whatever he wants to get you to the spot he wants you. I don't know what got you here. Maybe you're here because of a kid. Your child said, we are going there. We are getting that candy bar. (laughs) Maybe you're here because you missed a flight. Maybe you're here because... Your car was frozen this morning and it wouldn't start with minus 15. And you're like, I need a ride from a neighbor. And they brought you to church. I don't know what got you here, but I know this. If God can work through a Roman census, he can work through whatever he used to get you here. And you're not here by accident. If you pay attention to the signs, the whole series has been pointing us to the signs. They've been pointing us. The prophecies are pointing us there and pointing us there. And if you pay attention to the signs, you could see that there was a plan. The wise men saw the star and they said, there must be something. Something is pointing us there. There's a plan and God always has a plan. And when you see the plan, you have a choice to make. And I would say this to you, choose wisely. Choose wisely. Because in this story, you'll see people, and I thought it's interesting, the wise men show up. I mean, they must have had a big entourage of people. And they come into Jerusalem, and they're like, we're here. The signs have showed us that there's a king that is born. Who is it? And Herod's like, I I don't know. Who is it? So he calls his religious leaders, and he says, what's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, a king should be born, but not here, Bethlehem. Think about it. They knew the information and just said, ah, we're too busy. You wise men, you go see what it's about. We're too busy. We know the right thing, but we're not going to go worship the Messiah. There are people this year for Christmas, they know all the right answers. They could preach this sermon, but they don't worship Jesus. They've never bowed a knee. They've never said, you know what? I see the prophecies. I see the signs. It points to Jesus. You're just too busy. You're like, eh, whatever. There are people that are like Herod. Herod actually lied in that text. He had no intention of worshiping Jesus. Herod was like, I'm going to try to destroy this savior. I'm going to try to destroy this king. And he said, you know what? There's no room. There's no room. He doesn't fit into my life. And there are people that are here. I'm sure there's people that are watching online. You say, Jesus doesn't fit. I'm only here for now. As soon as this is over, I'm out of here. He doesn't fit. I would say that's a terrible choice. It was a terrible choice for Herod, and it'd be a terrible choice for you. We haven't talked much about the shepherds, um, but if I could, for just a moment, how many know the shepherds got a late invitation and came running? And maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you have a late invitation, and I would say this, come running, come running. The prophecies point to Jesus. Maybe you're older, maybe you're grown up, and you haven't gotten in at it, but you're hearing it now, and it's a late invitation Get in on this. Say yes to Jesus. In the last group there, the wise men, all the prophecies, all of it pointed to Jesus, and they ultimately found him. They bowed down. They worshiped him. 
and they admitted, here's the one. Here's the one. He's above all others. He's the one. And I would say to you today, I would choose like them. And I would say, Lord, I bow before you. All the prophecies, all the things we've looked at, there were so many. They couldn't have just happened by chance. MIT uh, did a study on this, and they said, you know, just if eight of them, they picked eight of them, what are the odds that they could fulfill eight? And Pastor Justin shared this last weekend. He said it was like one in a hundred trillion that it could just be by chance. This wasn't by chance. All the signs, all the prophecies, everything points to Jesus. And the question is, what will we do with him? Will we worship him? Will we say yes? He was born to set people free, and that includes me. He was born to set people free, and that includes me. And so for whatever reason you're here, wherever you're at, wherever you identify in this story, I'm asking you to identify with those wise men and say, we understand. He was born to set people free. I'll kneel. I'll submit my life to Jesus and say he is the Savior. I'm convinced it couldn't happen by chance. It's real. So if you could bow your heads with me for just a moment as we close out this message. He was born to set people free. And he offers that gift to whoever would call upon the name of the Lord. It's not by chance that Jesus was sent to this earth It's not by chance that he was born in Bethlehem. It's not by chance that he entered the temple. It's not by chance that he was from the line of David and from Judah. It's not by chance that all these things came to pass when he died and when he rose again from the dead. It's not by chance. He is the savior of the world. And he was born to set people free. And all across this world, people are celebrating the life of Jesus Christ. And this moment now, Jesus could be born to set you free. He could be born to set you free to forgive you of all your sins and all that you've done wrong. And this could be your moment that you admit it makes sense now. The prophecies make sense. The message makes sense. Is there room for you for Jesus? Is there room for you to bow a knee and say, you know what, Jesus, it's all about you. You were born to set people free and that includes me. The Bible says he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you eternal life and you'll start to live for what really matters for Jesus Christ. And if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Rob, include me in this closing prayer. Include me in this. I I, I want in. I'm convinced of it. I've heard the arguments. I feel the tug of God on my heart right now. I, I may have attended church, but I've not crossed the line and said, I'm in. I'm in. I bow my knee to Jesus. I give my life to him. And you may have said, I've had no room, but now all of a sudden you're realizing there's room. Jesus more than fits in. He's what you were meant to discover. And you're saying, I'm ready, I want in. In just a moment, you can raise your hand. If you're getting that late invitation, raise your hand. Say, I'm in. It doesn't matter how old you are. And lastly, if you're saying, I'm ready, I get it. I bow my knee. I'm in. I want Jesus. I see it. You can raise your hand too. So all across this place, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Rob, include me in the closing prayer. Could you raise your hand? You're saying, Jesus was born to set people free, and I know that includes me. Go ahead, raise your hand high. Yes, I see your hands all across this place. There's hands going up all over. People are saying, I get it. I get it. It makes sense. Yes, go ahead. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. You're saying, it's up. It's there. It's real. I get it. He was born to set people free. And that means me. It's my moment. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. But enough of it is pointed to Jesus that I'm in. So Lord, you see these people with their hands raised. And they're saying, I'm in. I need you as Lord and Savior. I worship you. It all makes sense. It it points to you. It couldn't have happened by chance. It's real. 
And so God, I pray right now with their hand raised, you would see that as them saying, I surrender. I surrender. I want you. I want you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. And right now, if your hand is raised, you, you may not even know how to pray, but just right now, just say, yes, Lord, I agree. I agree with this. And as I pray the rest of this prayer, keep just in your mind and in your heart saying, I agree with this prayer. So Lord, these people have their hands raised. They're saying they realize these prophecies point to you, that you were born to set people free, and that includes them. They now ask for forgiveness of sins. They confess that you died on the cross, rose again from the dead, and you now have forgiven them of everything that they've done wrong. They turn from those things, and they turn towards you. And they say, I want to live the rest of my life for you. So God, I pray you'd give them the strength to do that. Give them the ability to do that. And we celebrate, Lord, that you were born to set people free, and that includes them. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you